0: escape the earth welcome to escape the earth a sci-fi fantasy podcast broadcasting from an undisclosed location within the san antonio public library and we are also supported by the san antonio public library foundation i am liz
1: and i'm tim
0: tim sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> pinch and today we are going to be talking about punk sci fi and in particular the book The Black God's Drums by P. DeJelli Clark. So, punk sci fi, I feel like most people, when they hear the word punk and sci fi together, their brains will immediately gravitate towards steampunk, which is totally understandable. But there are a lot of other quote unquote punk genres with subgenres under the bigger umbrella of sci-fi and fantasy it's just like it's like layers within layers within layers like an onion and um (laughs) which makes me think of some guy with a mohawk and a pair of Doc Martens holding a pink umbrella (laughs) damn these notes
1: (laughs) that's what it makes me think of
0: I forgot you put that in there (laughs) So the main characteristics that kind of link all of these punk genres is that there's like a anti-hero and some sort of social struggle involved. And so like in the book we're going to be talking about today, that social struggle is, I think it's safe to say it was like slavery and like, I guess human right. But punk just usually talks about, it tends to have more of a, a social issue kind of worked into the fantasy aspects of the books but yeah and tim is going to talk about some other sub genres of the punk sci-fi now
1: the the main characteristics of of all the punk genres seems to be that there's a counterculture hero involved in some sort of social struggle you know they're fighting against the man or against uh, the way that society is heading and it usually focuses on the technology uh, and the settings largely dehumanized so uh, all of that's according to the encyclopedia britannica article on cyberpunk i would think ready player one is cyberpunk and i don't remember the book very well because i read it several years ago but i did just watch the movie and this is going to make people wonder when we recorded this it is 2021 I know the movie was made in 2018, but I was so afraid to watch it because, you know, there's always a difference between the movie and the book.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I liked the movie okay. It wasn't as over the top with the 80s love. I'm sort of sad that they seem to cut out all the uh, things about the rock band Rush. That was one of my favorite things about the book was all the music references because those were things that I grew up with. If you haven't read it yet, please do because it's uh, written by Ernest Klein, who actually I believe lives in Austin, so a fellow Texan. We should him, we should get him on the show sometimes. I had fun watching the movie and pointing out all the different posters, like, oh look, <laughs> you know that movie takes place in a future where everybody plugs into this virtual reality game that's called the Oasis. It's, it's sort of like Second Life and everybody in the world is on there. There are all kinds of different planets and places where you can live. You can be whoever you want, do whatever you want. The person who designed and owned this has just died and he has put out a series of clues for everyone in the game to determine whoever solves the clues is going to be the next owner of the Oasis. There is a corporation that wants to take it over and they're paying literally thousands of gamers to try and solve all of these clues to to get control of the Oasis because they think its advertising space is vastly underused imagine like if you were just walking around you have pop-up ads on your glasses and on the sidewalks and yeah oh my that, gosh
0: i'm having some serious eye twitching just imagining that
1: that that's their idea of heaven but anyway so that's Ray player one if you haven't seen it go see it or read the book the book is is better in my opinion but the, the book movie was
0: always better
1: the movie wasn't bad. I don't know. There are some things that are pretty close, like The Green Mile by Stephen King. That, that book and that movie were pretty pretty well in sync. I I like those. So occasionally you do get some, some good ones. Um, so anyway, oh, one more thing I really liked about Ready Player One was uh, at one point, you know, they're having this massive online war and everybody in their virtual headsets on the streets just fighting and you're wondering how they're not kicking each other in the face because they're all in their (laughs) VR headsets but they're standing like two feet apart and swinging wildly as they try to fight whatever they're fighting on on their VR headset
0: and yeah that is really hard because my sister's boyfriend has a VR headset and I played a game on there once and man I had the whole living room which I mean it's not a giant living room but I mean it's like a solid three feet all around me if I'm standing in the center and I kept running into the couch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just remember when the uh when the Wii came out and there were all these stories of people who had broken their TVs throwing the Wii mode at them. And, and <laughs> That's uh, true. so um so so now back to the subgenres now that we've gone off on that wild tangent. The next best known subgenres is steampunk so we have cyberpunk we have steampunk and steampunk is where everything's steam powered it's usually seems to be set in the late 1800s early 1900s then there's diesel punk, uh, which according to sci-fi.com is between cyberpunk and steampunk and biopunk clockpunk mythpunk elfpunk mannerspunk think emily post meets meets sci-fi
0: I don't think Emily Post would approve of sci-fi.
1: I think Emily Post would approve of sci-fi as long as there are gloves and napkins.
0: Oh, so then she would love Ancillary
1: Justice. She would. Flatterpunk, which is like the uh, the chainsaw and horror version of it. Nanopunk, Greenpunk, and after that you get into the Questionable Offshoots. Uh, these are from Lit Reactor and so... Bug Punk, Cow Punk, Lobster Punk.
0: I found this one site online. Uh, the site is called Sorcerer of Tea. I love that name because of the phrase that we use nowadays where it's like spill the tea, but he's the Sorcerer of Tea. Anyways, I just thought that was clever. And some of the genres that he pointed out on his website that I thought were very interesting were a punkalypse. So that is a wordplay on apocalypse you can kind of guess where that is this genre shares the idea of taking place in a post-civilization apocalyptic setting so I feel like a lot of your dystopias would probably fit in here
1: this sounds to me like a dystopian dystopia
0: a dystopian dystopia (laughs) yeah it could be and then this other one the next two cracked me up so much So there is another one called bronze, bronze punk or sandal punk. That is exactly what it sounds like. It is So the site says sandal punk and bronze punk are competing terms for the same thing. Taking technology of the ancient classical world. Think of the time of like Plato and Aristotle and building a retro futuristic civilization with it. Okay, so the last one that I saw in Sorcerer of Tea that I wanted to talk about was Formica Punk. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have been to like vintage shops, but Formica is that type of top that is placed on tables that I think was very popular in the 80s. And so I just think it's very funny that there is a punk genre (laughs) called Formica Punk and it basically is, as the site says, a shout out to the 70s and 80s.
1: If you have a good example of any of these, please email us at SampleEscapeTheEarth the earth at gmail.com. Oh
0: so, yeah, I really would love to read a good cow punk. In fact, if you have a good cow punk, please, please, please email us so I can read it to Winky, my cow dog. Okay. So this leads us to an up-and-coming. Punk genre. I say up and coming because I feel like there's still not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of talk about it. There and there's still a lot of books kind of being added to it. But that is, Godpunk and the Black Gods Drums by P. Dejelly Clark, which is the book we're talking about today, sits firmly in Godpunk. So, Godpunk really quickly is just gods from any pantheon, whether it's Greek. African, Native American, just anything. So a deity of some kind interacting with quote unquote normal people and influencing and affecting the events of these normal people. So basically there's just gods, there's gods. So for Black God's Drum, a super quick synopsis of the book is it's an alternative history where the civil war has stretched on for years and has settled into a precarious armistice. The Caribbean islands and New Orleans have been free through this slave revolt. Most of the action in the book takes place in free New Orleans and through the eyes of Creeper, a homeless 13-year-old girl who carries the Orisha, which is the deity, Oya, within her. Oya is a goddess of winds and storms. Creeper stumbles upon a Confederate plot to force a Haitian- scientists to give them a deadly weapon known as the black god's drums or shango's thunder shango is another orisha what they don't know is that using the weapon has some big long-lasting consequences creeper and oya team up with an airship captain Anne marie who also has oya's sister ocean in her to calm the storm so that's a really uh i guess that wasn't that quick. But that was a summary of the book. It's a super tiny book. It's a novella. It's under 150 pages. So if you just want something quick to read, I highly recommend it. It packs a lot of story for such a little book. (laughs) Don't you think, Tim?
1: It packs a lot of story and it's very close to the steampunk. I know you said we've read God Punk before and that was Mm -hmm. with the gods of jade and shadow by sylvia moreno garcia mm-hmm. but i think this actually fits the definition much better because it's so much closer to that punk genre
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: with the with the anti-hero and the class struggle
0: Very even, it
1: even has the dirigibles in it and the uh, machines that the constables drive called the i guess the mug bugs i i might be getting that wrong but they're described as these little steam-powered like shuttles that scuttle around the city and there are guns.
0: yeah and now that you brought up like the, sho- the social aspects this book is very I feel like it's very conscious of the social commentary it's making because it does deal with racism and slavery even though in this world slavery has kind of come to a a standstill anyways in New Orleans like There's still like segregation and there's still that tension between those who support slavery and those who are against it. But I also think it really provides commentary on this idea that African-Americans are the descendants of African people brought over from Africa. And it's like when they came to America, they brought their gods with them. And now these gods reside in the people who are the children and grandchildren and great grandchildren of the original African who came.
1: It's again similar to Neil Gaiman's uh, American Gods. And also, I know you didn't like Liza Locklamora, but it's also similar to Liza Locklamora. We got a too smart street urchin, too big for her britches.
0: You just right. had to bring that in.
1: <laughs> and they, like Locke they use the uh, Wraith Stone to gentle the animals and this they use Drapedo Gas to to right. basically it's- make the slaves compliant. A uh, Very similar zombification like process.
0: Yes, that's very true. If y'all did not listen to our last episode, I hate Liza Locke Lamora.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved it.
0: So Tim bringing that up, I know y'all can't see, but I was totally making a face. And actually, (laughs) whenever I started reading Black God's Drum, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, my gosh, another thieving street urchin. (laughs) And I'm the one who picked this book. I was like, why did I do this to myself? As I said before, there is a lot of book. There's a lot of story in this itty bitty book. And one thing, like anytime there's gods, personally, that's my jam. I love seeing deities in books and learning about like different gods. I was kind of worried and scared that the, the ending of this book wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to live up to the expectation or the anticipation it built in me as a reader. Because sometimes there are those books where you're like oh this like they had all this material to work with and the ending was just womp, womp. but I am happy to say the ending of this book was fantastic it was all the epicness you would want from a book where there are gods living inside people and then a like a natural disaster is potentially upon them and the people have to use the god's power to Save the city in this case, not the world, but save the city.
1: Uh, The two goddesses have to lay aside their competition with one another to control the storm, so to speak.
0: This is true. Oh, yeah. So a little context for that. Oya is the goddess of winds and storms. Ocean is the goddess of rivers. Is it just rivers? Uh,
1: Rivers and lakes and water. I think all bodies of water.
0: Okay. Okay so they are sister wives so they are both wives to shango who the black god's drum is named so it's shango's thunder or the black god's drums and so they're within this hmm, i'm making really vague hand gestures because i can't think of the word
1: a love triangle
0: yes love triangle thank you tim (laughs) within this love triangle they are the two wives shango's the guy and yeah, so they compete with each other and like Tim said at the end they settle that aside to to save New Orleans through the people they inhabit. I thought the characters in this book were really great. Creeper similar to Locke and Lies of Locke Lamora whenever he's like younger, they're all cussy and blustery and I kind of found that annoying. But then I think she grows she grows into herself even within just like the brief time that you were with her in this book and it doesn't become as I guess as prominent and I don't know if it's because she's like trying to act more grown up because she's trying to work with Anne-Marie who is an adult she's a captain of one of the dirigibles and she looks up to this Anne-Marie so I think she kind of starts to act more grown up and be like okay I need to need to prove myself and I'm not gonna prove myself by being like
1: I would say that Anne-Marie tempers her because Anne-Marie is Anne-Marie is a very strong personality just like she is Mm -hmm. and I don't get the sense that Creeper has ever encountered anybody with a will equal to her own that's very similar i guess to the way ocean and oya interact with one another the other thing is uh, with creeper creeper is is much more at home with her goddess inhabitant mm-hmm. or her goddess yes, co-pilot her than amory than is amory sort of struggles against ocean whereas Creeper has formed this symbiotic relationship with her. And they help each other out.
0: That's very true. That is very true.
1: And you Um, wanted to talk about the nuns, Sister Agnes and Sister Eunice?
0: Yes. Yes. So these are probably some of my favorite nuns that I've thus encountered in literature. Because they're like the most unorthodox nuns ever. Even in the book, they're like Anne-Marie Anne-Marie is the one whenever she first meets them and they start talking about like they're basically like spy masters and also like they hold the knowledge of like their people so they're not fully immersed in like Christianity and like whatever and Anne-Marie's like what kind of nuns are these (laughs) and that's the thing I love most about them because they're also total opposites. Like one is described as like super skinny and blind. One of them's also blind. And then the other one's like more more like sturdily built. And they 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 squabble like sisters, like actual sisters. And again, they're like spy masters because they know everything that's going on in the town. And they're the ones who give Anne Marie. And creeper cans of that uh that gas. What's it called?
1: Right. They're they're just like what you would imagine nuns in this world to be if they were crazy and they had lived 20 years in two close quarters and they knew everything that happened in the city and they kept their wood-burning stove full of explosive gas. Yes. The dropedo gas. Old
0: lady eagles.
1: So they have all these canisters of the dropedo gas, which, again, was used by the slave masters to make the slaves compliant. It takes. It's described as having taken their, as taking their entire fight out of them. Could be, hearkening to, the zombie literature or the zombie lore. I don't know if those two things are related or not, but the two nuns keep this stuff in their wood-burning stove. It, it, As a just-in-case. <laughs> right, enough to do some serious damage if it were to be unleashed within their convent or church. But yeah, they're, they're very funny, and they have a, uh, a feral child who lives with them named Feral. And Anne-Marie is cautioned that, uh, before she meets Feral, that uh, she bites but not hard. That turns out to be not true. She bites very hard.
0: Yeah, girl got a bite on her. Because it's that stem chompers that come to the rescue at one point towards the end. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this book. Again, it was really small. It was a nice relief after the tome that was Lies of <laughs> Like the actual book. So I tried listening to the audio of Lies of I also tried listening to this audiobook. Straight up, I would not recommend Black God's Drum on audio. It the narrator, I feel like she was trying too hard and like her accents kept interrupting the flow of the story. And then the audiobook was only like 3 hours long and I don't even know if I got an hour in because I was just like I I cannot. For all of my audiobook readers, just I mean unless narrator doesn't really matter to you consider yourself warned.
1: the only other steampunk novel i've read was bone shaker and that was by cherry priest it has poison gas airships and also zombies and takes place in uh, seattle like seattle is sunk down into the ground and nobody goes down there because there's gas that turns you into a zombie if you go down there, you have to wear like the diving rig, which I thought was pretty interesting. That read what well, I learned to be a diesel punk, which was by Scott Westerfield, and that was called Leviathan, and it's part of the series. That one have pits like the Darwinists against the machinists or engineers, and the Darwinists instead of for dirigibles, they they fly these gem- genetically modified whales that are built to produce their own hydrogen and it it, it was kind of an interesting take on it i thought
0: but hmm. that's uninteresting. interesting i do love scott westerfield i like his
1: it was the uglies right
0: yes the ugly series which is firmly sci-fi maybe like dystopian sci-fi or a apocalypse as we have learned maybe it's like you know civilization has crumbled from what we know and this is the new way of life it's a great series I love him I got to meet him in person and it was so cool I was very happy what happened I smiled like a like a goofball and took a picture and I got a free copy of the book he was promoting which I had zero interest in reading but I was like please sign it (laughs) I will keep it (laughs)
1: Well, hey, you know, not, not everything can be exactly the same. So I guess we're at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about everything I want to talk about about this book. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, about Black God's Drums, Tim?
1: Uh, no, thank you for, to P. Jelly Clark for putting this out. I really enjoyed it. I disagree a little bit with your ending because I don't see Creeper as being the type of person to give up her life all at once and begin wearing more fashionable clothing and attending school after she's fought it all this time. But maybe, maybe if she's got the chance to become Anne-Marie's co-captain, which was what she really wanted to do, was Mm -hmm. leave, leave on the airship. Maybe that's enough to to prompt her into that. The only other alternative history I've read based around slavery and the civil war that I feel should be mentioned is The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. I thought that was really well done as well.
0: Ugh, uh, that book is Chef Kiss. It's amazing.
1: Very, very well done. I, I liked it a lot. And it it really takes you through all the spectrums of emotion you can have about that subject. It
0: really does. And I think it handles some really tough subject matter in a very respectful and excellent way.
1: Anyway, we want to thank everybody for listening. If you have the ability to do so, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really love to hear from you. If you want to write us at Sapple, escape the earth at gmail.com send us any kind of interesting sci-fi or fantasy facts news if you have some questions or if you have anything interesting that you'd like us to mention we would love to hear from you also you can look at our book list or reviews and our suggested reads on our goodreads page it's Sapple, Escape the Earth. also and um yeah Next month, join us for our uh, discussion around Catfishing on CatNet by Naomi Kritzer.
0: Yes, and for next month's episode, we're going to have a very special guest. And she has also read Catfishing on the CatNet, obviously. I think we're going to have a really great discussion. So definitely check that book out. It it was a lot of fun. Yes, our first ever
1: guest on the show.
0: Yes, she is gonna be our first guest.
1: Excellent. Well we'll see you next month and ta ta.
0: Bye. Escape.